0: You're, you're, you're listening to the worldwide sports radio network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. giving you the Xs and Os of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, welcome back to the show, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Billy Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader. We are back here again today with a great show in store for you guys here as we're going over the primetime recap and the waiver wire report, which is going to be short. I mean, I don't expect it it would be long in Week 17 anyway. Because a lot of things are going to be in flux this week. I mean, the way we are part, we have some names that we do know ahead of time are going to be people of note, the people you want to pay attention to if you're, in fact, still playing your championship redraft leagues heading into Week 17. But we do know that this week is going to be fluid because it's not going to be until this week progresses... And we're going to find out for sure from a lot of different teams exactly who's going to play. Who's going to be rested. Who's a little bit nicked up, and because they don't need to push it, won't. Well, who's For other guys out there, pointless for them to come back off the injuries they've been on for the last past several weeks. And we found out finally today, not that we didn't already know this, Joe Mixon officially ruled out for the season. What a joke. I mean, there are some teams out there... That just make no sense. And Zach Taylor and Cincinnati Bengals, two years in a row now, have toyed with fantasy owners. And to no competitive advantage of their own. It's not a competitive advantage to keep Joe Mixon on the active roster, taking up a roster spot, instead of just keeping him on the IR. There's no competitive advantage to that. And yet, Joe Mixon didn't play a game since week eight for the rest of the season. A foot issue That we still, to this day, a full two months later, still do not know exactly what the foot issue is. What the nature of it is. What the actual diagnosis of it is. If it's something we have to worry about next season. Or if it just turned into something that they misdiagnosed or took longer to heal. And once Joe Burrow went down, they decided ultimately that there was no point in bringing back Joe Mixon at all this year. Who's to say? But what we can say is that this was a crazy situation that really felt like it screwed fantasy owners more than anybody else. I mean, it doesn't help the Bengals. Who cares about the opponent? This felt like a slight to fantasy owners. And I know it probably wasn't, but it feels that way. And as a fantasy analysis, as a person who had Joe Mixon on a couple of fantasy football teams, I feel your pain. Again, we talked about this yesterday. I'm a fantasy player just like the rest of you guys. I examine it maybe more closely. I come on this show to try to help spread the advice, try to help you guys win as well. But I am right there with your joys and your sorrows. And in this case, the spitefulness. That's, and that, this, this is ridiculous. That Joe Mixon was basically week to week, every week with the exception of one three-week IR stint, which they activated him back right away. This is ridiculous, that he never again played the rest of the season. And we never even got to know exactly what the foot injury is. We probably won't know more until the offseason at this point. We won't know until March, maybe, exactly what's going on. Maybe even later than that. Maybe not until OTAs. Julio Jones, I don't see why he would play Week 17. He missed a lot of time this year, too. I mean, there's going to be a lot of things in the year-end review. We don't really do that on this show. Typically, what I'll do is I'll take, you know, I'll take all the research that comes with this year, implement it into when we come back in March. And in case you don't know, that's when we're going to come back. We're going to come back in March. Then that's when we're going to start to talk about the free agency, their, their fantasy impacts, and throughout the off-season, instead of doing episodes dedicated to just season-end reviews and Spouting out all the content, the information that comes from when examining, you know, these players on a closest a close basis for what they did this year, what are some of the trends that we saw. That to me, that's information that's better spread throughout the entire offseason. Because it's all we're gonna talk about from March until the end of August when your drafts where most of your drafts are going to take place. That's all we're gonna talk about. All we're gonna talk about is expectations. And what the statistics were, and whether they will improve or get worse or decrease in production based on the trends that we saw during the season last year. We're going to be talking about it nonstop. So that's why I never found the value in having an episode, you know, the week after the regular season is over, dedicated to just talking about who was consistent, who were some surprises, who were surprise finishes. Never saw much value in that because we're going to talk about it nonstop throughout the year as we're going through the roster lineup changes and why those matter and what how those could impact the rest of the team from a fantasy standpoint. So that's why in March we talk about the free agency. That's why come April we're talking about draft guys. I'm already going to be starting next week going through tape again on draft prospects. and We'll have episodes based on that. Then come around and you know we'll have the draft and then May and, and June will all be about team profiles and getting insider tips from beat writers about how the teams are looking and what, what's some of the philosophies. what are some of the coaching changes impacts. We'll have our tro- coaching changes impact series like we do every year as well to make sure we are going through thoroughly, while hopefully entertaining you. And again, I expect that's the biggest part why I expect the show to improve. We have some big ideas on production, making the show more entertaining, as well as informative. But we're still going to be very thorough in our process and making sure we do not leave a stone unturned before your drafts come back again next year. And we'll talk a little, We usually in the off-season, we'll talk a little bit more Dynasty as well. But all of that is coming. And that's why we don't really do season-end review dedicated episodes right after this. Thursday is going to be the last show until March on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's going to be a two-hour special from 12 to 2 o'clock. We're going to preview all of Week 17 because I'm not going to be there on New Year's Day. And that's what we're looking forward to. But tonight tonight is about the primetime game recap. It's about the however short or sweet it is wire report. So we kick things off with the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers Let's start off with the Packers side of the ball. Let's start off with the side of the ball that actually came through for you from the fantasy owner standpoint of players that you're depending upon to help you win championships. Let's start it off with Aaron Rodgers, who is uber-efficient. 21 of 25, 231 yards, four touchdowns, even tacked on 19 yards rushing. He's never the yardage man, but four touchdowns. Giving you a fantasy day, bouncing back from last week if you were able to survive that performance against Carolina. Giving you a QB1 performance that you needed here. And of course, where would Aaron Rodgers be if not for his trusty sidekick, Devontae Adams? 11 receptions, 142 yards, 3 touchdowns, 12 targets. Devontae Adams in Sunday night, single-handedly, won you championships. Even if he was playing at 1 o'clock, even if he was playing on Friday, he could have been right there with Alvin Kamara as a guy who might have won you the championship early. Devontae Adams, 11 reception, 142 yards, 3 touchdowns, 12 targets. That's why I repeat it again. Won championships when it mattered most. The only guy who really didn't come through was Robert Tunyon. Only had one catch for 17 yards. But, again tight end position. He's somebody you streamed. He probably wasn't somebody you were leaning on. He's probably been a nice addition to the team, but he's always touchdown or bust. And Aaron Jones is only okay in this game. 10 carries, 94 yards. He did tack on 14 yards, receiving off of two receptions. So he gets you over that 100-yard threshold mark. So he had a decent floor. You didn't lose your week because of Aaron Jones. Now it might seem that way because if you're hoping for a big game out of Aaron Jones for you to come back in your championship week, then yeah, you're going to look at it as Aaron Jones lost it for you. But really, he's not the reason you lost. You lost because of something else in your lineup. I will mention, of course, A.J. Dillon. 21 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns in this game, making his big, I know it wasn't his debut, but really his big performance, of course, of the year, but his big performance in the NFL now, kicking that his career really off in this game. No Jamal Williams in this matchup, so A.J. Dillon, especially once they had this game well in hand, it was the 100% A.J. Dillon show. I know Aaron Jones owners are going, there, like, yeah, well that stat line needed to go to Aaron Jones. Well... Unfortunately, Tennessee didn't keep it close enough. And that's where we bring in the Titans. A team chock full of players that were pretty much looking like championship winners. There's a reason why you're there, in a large part at the very least, especially Derrick Henry. But even Ryan Tannehill, who at the end of the day was able to salvage his performance because he gave you 55 yards on the ground, including a 45-yard touchdown run. But passing the ball, it was, it was one of the worst Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee Titan games I think I've ever seen him play at the quarterback position. It looked like Ryan Tannehill of the Dolphins with Adam Gase. It didn't look like Ryan Tannehill of the Tennessee Titans in that game. It just didn't. Whether it was the snow affecting it, the Packers defense playing really well, 11 of 24 for 121 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Now again, his legs salvage your day where Ryan Tannehill can kind of get lumped into the Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones of it all, where he's not really to blame for you losing your lineup. Because it still wound up being an okay performance at the end of the day. Derrick Henry, he didn't have his big Derrick Henry game. Still the 23 carries, had 98 yards, doesn't find the end zone. And not, frankly, with the role that he's been on, to not go for 140 yards against Green Bay in the snow is just surprising. But the Packers game-planned really well for this game. They game-planned extremely well to take away what Tennessee wants to do at the end of the day. And once again, the Titans show you that if you get up a couple scores on them early, it's hard for them to come back. They're a team that's used to playing ahead. And I know there's been games this year where they have made huge comebacks as far as making games much closer. Cleveland Brown game springs the mind. There was another game where they came they scored a ton of points in the second half, ultimately fell short. But when you get up a couple scores on this team, their defense just doesn't stop anybody. And ultimately that winds up being their demise. AJ Brown, four receptions, forty three yards on eight targets. And then we have the big killer. The killer of them all, Corey Davis. Two targets, zero receptions, nothing a Corey Davis, has been a wide receiver too, who's been a guy you leaned on to get here, goosed you. Now, Corey Davis single-handedly definitely lost championships this week. And it was just a disappointing performance overall, especially if a team chock-full of fantasy players that really, in big part, got you to where you were. Now, on the flip side, if you are still playing in the Week 17... Which, again, this show is trying to help those guys out as much as you are an amateur hour type of league, and I will let you know that. But we still want to help you out. Well, the Titans have a lot to play for next week. They really do. Enough to play for where I think you're going to see Ryan Tannehill, you're going to see Derrick Henry, you're going to see A.J. Brown, you're going to see Corey Davis. Because with the Colts losing, a lot of things are in flux right now. They have a chance to win this division. So there's a good chance that you will be able to fire these guys up next week. And would I hesitate from playing Corey Davis? No. I wouldn't hesitate from A.J. Brown. I wouldn't hesitate from Ryan Tannehill. I wouldn't hesitate to play these guys. One snowy game in Green Bay is not enough to erase what has been a month of fantastic fantasy play. So I wouldn't hesitate to play these guys. That does it for the Sunday night game. Now, let's talk about the Monday night game. And there's really, I mean, little to talk about, right? Because this was a one-side affair. This was over before it began. An absolute dominant performance by the Buffalo Bills taking care of the New England Patriots. And they didn't even, they didn't even need to win this game. They had nothing to gain by winning this game other than to say that they swept the New England Patriots for the first time since the 90s, exuberating their dominance over them this year in their this division and letting them know that there is a new player in town, in the AFC East, in the Buffalo Bills. From a fantasy standpoint, if you are hoping for that Monday Night Miracle, and you had a Josh Allen, or you had a Stephon Diggs, you probably got that Monday Night Miracle. 320 yards and 4 touchdowns for Josh Allen, tacked on 35 yards on the ground. Other than a little stretch in which he was a bit banged up this season, Josh Allen was an elite fantasy quarterback. And as much as it pains me to say, he wasn't just... Because was I've not been a big fan of Josh Allen. I'll be the first to admit that. I've not been a big fan of Josh Allen. And as much as it pains me to say, he has not just been an elite fantasy quarterback. He was an elite quarterback this year overall from an NFL standpoint, period. Having Stephon Diggs to be able to go to whenever he needed really just gave him a security blanket where he just felt confident that he was going to be able to lean on his pass catchers. And having Stephon Diggs just made everything else fall into place. Now, the only thing that didn't come through for you in this game was that perhaps, being that John Brown did not get activated, perhaps you played Cole Beasley in this matchup. Perhaps. Perhaps. And that would be the only thing that would be of disappointment, because you weren't going to play the running backs anyway. Zach Moss finished the game, 12 carries, 57 yards on a touchdown. A decent performance. Devin Singletary still had 10 carries for 36 yards, though, and that split right there, and the overall lack of usage for the running backs in general in this offense is why you weren't playing any of them to begin with. And you'll continue to not do so if you are playing in Week 17. But the other guy that came through for you, Stephon Diggs, 9 receptions, 145 yards, 3 touchdowns, 11 targets. Has basically a Devontae Adams performance. Snapping victory from the jaws of defeat for a lot of fantasy owners out there tonight for their fantasy football championships with that huge performance. No Stephon Gilmore and took advantage. The crazy part was is that he really didn't take advantage until the second half. Because he didn't do much in that first half. He had one catch for two yards for the longest time. And all of a sudden, he gets a 50-yard touchdown, and then another touchdown, and then another touchdown, and he just led up the scoreboard. Him and Josh Allen both. It was absolutely insane. So they came through for you. And overall, I wouldn't call this game a disappointment, because I don't know who on New England you were trusting to play anyway. After the way Cam has looked at throwing the football, I don't know if you were really streaming him, and... His woes continued. He got a rushing touchdown, but even Bill Belichick hit his limit on looking at Cam Newton as his starting quarterback and said, the heck with this, we're done. Jared Stidham, you're in the ballgame. Now, Jared Stidham didn't fare any better, and the big difference between a Stidham and a Cam Newton is that Stidham doesn't have the mobility factor of a Cam Newton. Stidham was 4 for 11 for 44 yards, while Cam Newton was 5 for 10 for 34. Look, New England's just not good. And yes, they need to address the quarterback position. They also need to address the wide receiver position. Akeel Harry is a bust. Your best receiver since Julian Edelman went down was Jacoby Myers, a guy who had seemingly moved on from in the beginning of the season. Wasn't getting any playing time. This offense needs a complete rebuild from top to bottom. Need better offensive line play need pass catchers, need a tight end, need a quarterback. The only thing you can argue they don't necessarily need is a running back. But even that factor, are they? is Josh McDaniels going to finally stop prohibiting the rhythm that this running back field could be in? Again, having too many toys in the backfield. Limit, now I know David Harris was hurt, but limit it down to David Harris. Let Sonny Michelle walk. And let James White walk. Damian Harris was a good receiving back coming out of college. Let him be that. Don't do to him what you did to Sonny Michelle. Because Sony Michelle, one of his best attributes was catching the football coming out of college and coming out of Georgia. And he was never allowed to catch the football because it was James White's job within Josh McDaniel's offense. Don't do the same thing to Damian Harris. Let the guy carry the workload. He looks like a promising young back, but you got to figure out this offense. You got to figure out the personnel, and a complete rebuild could frankly be in store for New England Patriots. They tried to stay competitive by signing Cam Newton. They tried to stay competitive by keeping a lot of, play- of the pieces in place outside of losing Tom Brady, and it just showed you that how much talent they were really lacking. It just showed you how much talent they were really lacking. It's not a good team. It's not a good team. So it's going to be very interesting to see what New England does in the offseason. But from a fantasy standpoint, you weren't trusting anybody anyway. So you don't have to talk about them too much here. Next week, though, keep in mind, Buffalo has nothing to play for. So I wouldn't be surprised to see guys like Josh Allen rest, Stephon Diggs rest, They got nothing to play for next week. So just keep that in mind as we move through the week. This will be another fluid situation when you're trying to figure out what fantasy options you can utilize. But that wraps it up for the Monday Night Game. It's time for the last waiver wire report of the 2020 season. Man, and before we get into this, just let's think about this for a second. We're about to head into Week 17 of a 2020 year, a year in which nobody knew whether we were really going to even get through this season. A lot of fantasy owners, a lot of guys around me in the industry were questioning how many leagues, while they were going to still be fantasy experts, they were still going to do their homework, they were questioning how many leagues they were really going to participate in this year. The big thing being they weren't weren't really sure, weren't confident in the idea that it would make it the entire year. And why invest resources? Because... You know, usually these guys are guys in high-money leagues. Why invest resources in a season that might be a loss? But we made it. I had faith that we could find a way to make it. I knew it wouldn't be pretty along the way, and it wasn't. It had a ton of ugly bumps along the way. But we made it to Week 17. We did. And very happy that we did so. Very happy to have football. Very happy to have sports in general back. And very happy that we are entering the end of the year and we can move on to 2021. Now, you know, one thing we do have to acknowledge is that once that clock strikes midnight and it becomes 2021, all the problems of 2020 don't just disappear. But it does come with the promise of new hope. It comes with the silver lining of looking ahead. It comes with the acknowledgement and remembering what we all went through in 2020 to survive and get to this point. And it's also remembering those who didn't and feeling for them and feeling for the people who've lost. And I know that this is a bit deep and a bit mushy for a fantasy football show, but it's just an end of a year where we all equally went through hell. And to have fantasy football, to have the NFL To at least be able to take our minds off of it over these past few months, in a way, has been a blessing. And I just want to acknowledge that as we talk about the last waiver wire report of the 2020 season. And it's a list of five names. I think we only had five names last week, too, I believe. And it's names that we've had to avoid in some situations, like Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup has been the number one targeted wide receiver of the Dallas Cowboys for the past three games now. Andy Dalton has looked more and more for it. Now, Mark Cooper is still getting his. And it's come at the cost, Michael Gallup that is, his target share of CeeDee Lamb in most of these games. Now, this past week... Everybody ate. Andy Dalton had his best game of the year, best game as a Dallas Cowboy, and everybody was able to get a fair target share in that game against the Philadelphia Eagles. But taking aside that game, Michael Gall's been the lead-targeted guy consistently as of late. And he's only 44% owned on average. So if you're going into your Week 17 game, Dallas has everything in the world to play for. If they, they need a win and Washington has to lose for them to win division and get into the playoffs as a result of that. They have everything in the world to play for against the Giants. And against the Giants, the one thing you can do pretty effectively, no matter who you are, is throw the football. I expect Michael Gallup to have a decent game. I expect him to continue with the high target share that he's seen. So Michael Gallup is going to be a wide receiver three for me this week. No doubt about it. A guy you can definitely pick up and play in your lineups. Another guy who fits... A similar mold, a little bit more of a boom or bust than a Michael Gallup is because I would consider Michael Gallup a decent floor when you take it into the fact that he has been seeing eight targets or more consistently over the past three weeks. Well, another guy who's kind of in that same territory but a little bit more boom or bust is Nelson Aguilar. Now, he's 34% owned. We just saw him go crazy last week against the Miami Dolphins. He is the number one receiver. Now, he's not, he might not be the number one pass catcher because that's Darren Waller, but he is the number one receiver of the Las Vegas Raiders. And he has the big play capability. Take the shots to him. It's not Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, you know, he did have to deal with some injury, but for the most part, he was a major disappointment in his rookie season. Because while we didn't expect him to be, you know, a heavy targeted guy in his rookie year, we know he had a long way to go as far as his route running ability. A big reason why I thought, his, I thought he had some nice skill set, but when you have guys like CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, who are just head and shoulders, better wide receivers... It's absolutely ridiculous that a Henry Ruggs was drafted ahead of those guys. However, however, Nelson Aguilar's been the guy who's been getting the targets and beginning the big plays this season. And he's just, he's another boomer bust option. Now, does he have a lower floor? Sure. But he'll be out there. John Gurdon, the Raiders are still trying to build this culture of we try to win games, we try to be tough. They will, they'll take their shots to Nelson Aguilar. So he's a guy that you can look at as a wide receiver three who you saw this just this past week has game-winning capabilities. Does he have a lower floor? Does he have a full reception for 40-yard type of floor? Yeah, 100%. So you have to be leery of that, but definitely a guy who could be an option for you at 34% owned on average. The next guy I want to talk about, I think, is an RB3. is a flex play, definitely, and that's Gus Edwards at 24%. And he has... Not just because he had a good game last week, but he has pretty solid RB2 potential in this matchup. The Ravens actually have to play for something against the Cincinnati Bengals, which is kind of odd because when you think about it, like, well, they might blow out the Bengals and bet some of their stars in the second half anyway, but they're definitely going to go in the mindset that they have to play. First of all, the Bengals have been very competitive. They beat the Steelers. They just beat Houston. So they've been pretty competitive as of late, finding ways to do it. Shockingly, don't know how, but they've been able to do it. And in a way, if they could be somewhat competitive against the Baltimore Ravens, then that will bode well for the starters that you're going to lean on. The, the Lamar Jacksons, the Mark Andrews, the Marquise Browns, the J.K. Dobbins, but also the Gus Edwards, who's getting his carries right there along Dobbins. Now, I know this past week he actually out-carried Dobbins. That had more to do with the chest injury that knocked Dobbins out for a little bit than anything else. But the point remains, Gus Edwards of the two running backs is the most game script proof. If they go in there and bulldoze Cincinnati, like we expect them to still do. I don't care that Cincinnati's been competitive the past two weeks. I expect the Ravens, with the way they're playing right now, to bulldoze a Cincinnati. Assuming that they do that, even if they decide in that case, like, all right, we got this game well in hand, we know we're going to the playoffs, let's start pulling guys, Gus Edwards will stay in there. And he'll get his carries with the starters as well. So he's a guy that if you're trying to find and scrape together RB2s or flex plays because you don't know who's actually going to play in your lineup because it's Week 17 you shouldn't be playing your championship anyway, Gus Edwards is going to be a guy that you can look to and feel pretty confident about as well against the Bengals. He's, he's going to be even a guy that you can maybe look to as a contrarian play in DFS as well. But 24% on Gus Edwards is definitely on my radar. Another guy who comes up, I think he's very hit or miss, but he's worth mentioning here, and that's Mecole Hardman at 22%. Him and Demarcus Robinson, who's at 15%. We've already been given word from Andy Reid that Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey are probably all going to sit this game. Sammy Watkins is banged up. He's out until they start off the playoffs as well because they had the first round bye. So they're all going to sit. makes plenty of sense. That means Chad Henney is going to come in and be the starting quarterback. That means Michael Harbin will be a starting wide receiver. Demarcus Robinson will be a starting wide receiver. Darrell Williams will be a starting running back. Darrell Williams is another name that you can look at too who's less than 50% owned right now. He's about 10% owned on average. He's going to get a lot of work, I believe, this, this upcoming week. Because they're not going to play Le'Veon. They're going to have him ready to go for when Clyde Woodjolaire hopefully comes back for that first round of the playoffs. But Derrick Williams is going to get a bell cow workload. And Chad Henney, while he's, you know, not good, the one thing he will do is take shots down the field and get it to the ball to his perimeter wide receivers. So Demarcus Robinson, and Mikko Hartman... While it's on a lesser scale of a Nelson Aguilar or a Michael Gallup, if you're looking for hit or miss options, they could be those options. They're going to get their opportunities in this week coming up against the Chargers. So just something to kind of keep in mind. It's a little bit more risky in their situation, but options that you can turn to. Last but not least, A.J. Dillon, who just we just talked about earlier in this show, had a crazy game on Sunday night. The Packers don't have anything to play for. They locked up that number one seed in the NFC. So I can't imagine Aaron Jones playing any more than a half, if that, if at all. You have Jamal Williams who's banged up. He's not going to play. They're not going to push Aaron Rodgers, not going to push Devontae Adams. This very well may be an A.J. Dillon game. Now, it's going against the Chicago Bears, so you don't really love the matchup necessarily, but the Bears haven't been the Bears' defense. Most of the year. Not what you expect him to be anyway. And if A.J. Dillon is going to sit there and get 20 plus carries, which there's a very real scenario that he does, well then you better believe, yeah, he enters the RB2 conversation in a game in which we may not see a lot of Aaron Jones, if at all. We definitely won't see Jamal Williams, I can tell you that right now. So A.J. Dillon, who's only 3.7% owned on average, meaning he's vastly available, could be, A league winner for those playing in those championship weeks come week 17 after not performing at all all season long. That's just how crazy it is. Now the rest of this, like I said, there's going to be more names that are on your waiver wire that are going to be valuable. Make sure you're watching it very, very closely throughout the week because, again, it's going to be a fluid situation as we find out more and more from teams who they're going to play are they going to play their guys? How much do they plan on playing their guys? Things of that nature. And it, it wreaks havoc on a guy like me because it wreaks havoc on the rankings. Because I can't rank anybody like normal <laughs> at all. So those things will get updated all throughout. But we'll talk about it, that and more, come Thursday from 12 to twelve to 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on your Android app or WWSRN on iOS. You can watch the stream on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook or on Twitter, as well as at belly up MDFF Show where you should be following us anyway for those player news notifications, because we're going to keep you up to date no matter what. We'll keep you up to date throughout the playoffs, because people are going to be playing DFS all, all, all throughout the NFL playoffs as well. We're always sending out anything fantasy-worthy, no matter what time of year it is, we're fan- we're we're throwing that out to you, and it's for free. It's all for free, so you should be following us along there, and make sure you're checking out the sports.com, not just for the rankings... That I'll have up this week that I'm sure will be a mess, but all the great content coming out of Belly Up Fantasy Sports all the time. Everyone stay safe, take care. We'll see you guys again on Thursday. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere, with anyone, at any time, and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler Communications.